I'll tell you, it's not uncommon in our society or even within the church that we will tell ourselves something like this. We'll say, eh, it's really none of my business. Eh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a coworker or... Maybe it's a mother-in-law or a friend or a neighbor that you, you hear something, but it just it, it, it makes you pause, but you say, you know what, uh, yeah, that's, that's really none of, my, none of my business. I'm going to stay out of it. Over the last few decades, we have learned from social services that even when abuse has been brought to light, maybe domestic violence has been brought or child abuse has been brought, that somebody in the house may have known, but they just simply didn't say anything because they felt that it was none of their business. I want to differentiate between none of your business and, and gossip here. Our, our world loves gossip. And... You know, that's kind of when you're talking about somebody behind their back or you're, you're spreading rumors. Or, that's not what we're talking about today. It's that idea that, oh, it's none of my business. I recognize something. You know, when we know that something wrong is happening and we don't do anything, you know what happens? People get hurt whether it's the abusive relationship next door that maybe you listen to every night or, or you hear something down the street or maybe it's the, the words or of another brother or sister in Christ that you know is willingly and purposefully and knowingly living a lifestyle outside of God's plan. If you know about it and you do nothing, people get hurt. I know in our day and age, when I use the word lifestyle, we, we automatically now associate that with, with maybe a homosexual lifestyle. But that, that's far from the only biblically sinful lifestyle that can fall into this category. There are lifestyles of, of people and brothers and sisters in Christ that, that may struggle to manage their finances within their own home. Maybe there are lifestyles of, of brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle to manage their relationship with their, with their wife or with their husband or, or maybe within, with their kids within their own home. I want to make something very clear this morning. As believers in Christ, we cannot turn a blind eye to the lifestyles that others our brothers and sisters in Christ are taking part of on a regular basis that are outside God's rule and God's law for our life. We have this idea that it's none of my business. And unfortunately, I think this idea of none of my business that our culture has accepted has crept its way into the church. And so what happens now is that we might go to church on a Sunday and we might sit right next to somebody every single Sunday, but we won't talk to them about a sin that has crept into their life because it's none of our business. When we refuse to talk 
to a brother or sister in Christ about a habitual sin, you know what happens? Somebody gets hurt. Something I want you to think about. Very well could be that that person that you are afraid to talk to about a sin in their life, it very well could be that they're actually waiting on you to talk to them. We've heard the stories of the abused wife that was just waiting for somebody to call out. I'm sure that somebody knows that this is going on. I'm just waiting for somebody to reach in and help me out. But we say it's none of our business. And what happens is we continue to let our brothers and sisters in Christ hurt because we said nothing, because we did nothing. It very well may be that the person that you are afraid to talk to is the person that is hoping that you are going to speak to them. You're put there for a reason. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Galatians chapter 6 as we are concluding our sermon series called Why It Matters. And we're seeing that Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, and he's, he's teaching them the intricacies of the gospel. And this morning, we realize why it matters, why truth matters, why the recognition of sin matters. Why does it matter? It matters because people get hurt. It matters that that we recognize sin, that we recognize the definition of sin, that we're not making it up on our own or we're not discrediting it, it on our own because if we don't recognize it, if we don't know what it is, if we don't speak to our brothers and sisters in Christ about it and help them, somebody gets hurt. We're in Galatians chapter 6 this morning. We're going to start in verse number 1. Paul writes this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right track and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Let's start this out. I want you to write this down. For those of you who are taking notes, this is point number one in your notes this morning. For Christians, sin is your business. Say, wow, really? Yeah, as Christians, sin is your business. We need to know, we need to recognize. See, sometimes we'll use this exact phrase. We'll say, well, I I really didn't see them. I really didn't see them participating in this sin, but we see the effects of it, right? I might not see somebody in their, in their moments when they're, when they're gambling away their paycheck, but we can see the effects of that on the family that is struggling to get the bills paid, right? We can see that as they, as they struggle to be obedient to the Lord in the tithe and the offering. We can see that as the finance in that family is going to the wrong place. Does it matter? We have a responsibility, is what Paul is saying, to other believers who are overcome by sin. And why? Why is it that it matters? It matters because that's our job. Paul is giving us that responsibility. The New Living Translation that we're working out of this morning, it says that, It says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help a person back onto the right track. 
Other translations are going to use the word restore. It literally means to mend or to repair something. I want you to think about your favorite pair of jeans for a moment. If there was a tear in them and you liked them, you cared about them, you would work to restore them. You are going to mend them. You are going to repair them. That's more than just simply telling your jeans, you know what, you're torn, and just walking away. And see, it's different from saying, you know what, I'm just going to go get a new pair of jeans. That's like saying, I'm going to go get another brother and sister in Christ. I'm just going to go get another friend. What you're doing by that is you're saying, I'm going to reject the idea that I have to help this. I have to step into the situation. I'm just going to go and pay attention to something else. Our job is to help mend. What good is it telling a friend that they're simply a sinner, but then doing nothing to help? Letting them know something that they probably already know. Or knowing something and doing nothing. It is our job to restore and to help mend. It, it would be as if you were, you were helping somebody to set a broken bone or a dislocated limb. That, that's the depth of this term. Jesus had laid out a plan for us. Guys, you don't have this on, uh, in, in, in the notes to put on the screen, but in Matthew 18, Jesus laid out a plan for us when it comes to that terrible, uncomfortable situation in helping brothers and sisters. Jesus said, in Matthew 18, he says, if, if a brother or sister is caught in sin or sins against you, first you're going to tell them. You're going to talk to them one-on-one. Says if that doesn't work, then you're going to go with witnesses, two or three, small group. And he says if that still doesn't work, you're going to bring it to the church. All of these ways are one, very uncomfortable to do, but they're all designed to restore. They're not designed to embarrass. They're not designed to simply recognize that this person is less than, that's not what they're designed for. They are designed to restore. See, God not only gave us a responsibility, but he gave us a direction. He gave us a plan. Yeah, is it difficult for us to step in and get past that point of saying, it's none of my business? Yeah, it is. But if we don't, somebody gets hurt. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you knew somebody in the church or another believer was living in sin and you spoke to them about it? When was the last time that that happened? Chances are, maybe it's never. Maybe that's never happened. I know it's hard to do. I'll tell you what happens is that not only can those within the church kind of fall out and fall into a sinful lifestyle, even those in leadership can. We have seen this throughout numerous churches, high-profile churches over the last few decades, where pastors and spiritual leaders get out of line, and you know what happens? Somebody gets hurt. You know who gets hurt? It's those who are here. Because 
Like, that's my pastor, right? I was relying on them. They were an example. Most of the cases that you have heard of in the news over the last couple of decades, here's the thing. Somebody knew and said nothing. Somebody knew that this person was getting out of line and could have come and had that one-on-one conversation with them, but they didn't. You know why? Because they say, it's none of my business. You know, maybe you're at a fair. Maybe you're at a convention. Maybe Disneyland or the subway or the airline, the airport. You know the phrase that we use in our society now to keep each other safe? We use this phrase, see something, say something. But how come when it comes to the church, we see something, but we say nothing? We're supposed to be the people who help each other. If you're a brother or a sister in Christ, that's what we do. We can't expect somebody outside the church to step into our role and help our brothers and sisters, help us as a brother and sister, because people who don't have faith simply don't understand. Paul talks about that. He talks about that to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. This is in chapter 2. Paul writes this. He says in verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't they, they can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. It's not just something that we do, restoring others, is inside the church is actually a responsibility. The half-brother of Jesus guy by the name of James writes this in his epistle. In James chapter 5, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. We have a responsibility to bring somebody back. I know, it's hard. It's hard to do. The first time that you open your mouth to talk to somebody about their sin, you're going to feel uncomfortable. But if we don't do it, somebody gets hurt. I want you to imagine that your apartment complex is on fire. You recognize it, and you run outside, and you're standing, you're standing down on the sidewalk, and you're looking back up at the apartment complex as the fire starts to, to, to break over the, the roof, and you, and you start hearing sirens that are coming, and you know that there is somebody else in that building. Are you at, at, on the sidewalk saying, you know what, I, I, I know it's dangerous, I just can't say anything because it's none of my business. You know what happens if you don't? Somebody gets hurt. I wonder if we think about at that moment, you know what, if I step in, if I step in and I yell up there, if I yell that they need to to move away from the danger, I wonder if they're going to look down on me. I wonder if they're going to think differently about me. I wonder if 
When we're on the sidewalk and the building's on fire, we don't think about that. But inside the church, we never look at sin as a fire the way we should. We just stand back and say, it's none of my business. And you know what we're saying? We're saying that the way that you look at me, the way that you see me is more important to me. To hold on to my pride, to hold on to to this perception that you've created of me, that's more important than breaking down this barrier and helping you. That's what we've done. We're telling ourselves what is more important. You know that you are here for that purpose, to help a brother or sister through this. Paul continues in Galatians chapter 6. He rolls into verse number 2 and he says, Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. You think you're too important to help somebody? You're just only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. But watch this. This is, this is so important. This is the second point in your notes this morning. There is no one better for the job of helping others than you are, nor are you too good for the job. There is nobody better to help than you are, nor are you too good for this job. Burdens, bearing each other's burdens, it's not simply small things. Burdens are heavy. Burdens are deep. Burdens are uncomfortable. They are extra heavy loads that make life difficult. If we are to bear one another's burdens, how can we bear somebody's burden without our life becoming difficult? Without getting into the mess and helping them out, right? Getting close enough. Bible says, hey, don't fall in. But we've got to help them out. To share somebody else's struggle is going to be a difficult situation. One, it's going to be difficult just to call and say, I know that you're struggling with this. Let me help. Let me help. They might not have anyone else that is there to help. They might, you might say, you know, um, Is it really my job? Do I really need to say anything? Yeah, we do. Because it's our responsibility to our brothers and our sisters, preserving the way that others look at us is not more important. It's not. Some will say, you know what, I'm I'm actually, that's, mm -mm, that's too much for me. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm not getting involved. I don't need any more drama. I don't, I don't need to be involved in this. When I was younger, I worked on a home construction crew. And there was about eight guys and some leaders in our crew. And we did everything. We did roofing. We did concrete. We built cabinets. We did everything along the job. And numerous times, we would show up to the job, and our very capable leaders 
would be off to the side. They never got their, their boots in the concrete. Mm-mm, they were off to the side. They never got up on the, on the roof and, and were, were putting, uh, with a nail gun, putting the shingles down. No, they were, they were just off to the side. There were days when we needed help so bad, and they were just off to the side. One day we finally asked, finally asked one of our foremen, why is it that we're up here and we really need help and you're just down to the side? You're not really doing much. We, we know that you have experience in this. You can show us. You can help us. You can be that other person. The, the response just floored us all. He said, you know what? I get paid too much to do that job. I'm worth too much. If I were to get involved there, you're going to look at me as one of the workers. I'm not. I'm the foreman. I'm the leader. The way you look at me is more important than me getting in and helping you. I get paid too much. I wonder if sometimes we hold ourselves back because... We want the way that others look at us to be precious. We want that. We want the way they look at us to always be in a positive light. We don't want to get involved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes this. He says, Take care that no one deceives himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the sight of God. So then, no one is to be boasting in people, for all things belong to you, referring to God. Saying, you're not not above this. This is actually our responsibility. You want to know a simple way to know if you're the right person to help a brother or sister through their difficult time? You want to know if you're the right person to step up and to step in, and to go into this uncomfortable area, you know that you're the right person. Watch this. If you know about it, that's it. If you know about it, you're the right person. It doesn't take anything else. You you don't have to wait to take a class. You don't have to wait for somebody else to come along. If you know about it, you are the right person. Because you're somebody who cares enough for a brother or a sister in Christ to let them know that you recognize that they're struggling. And you're not going to let them struggle alone. You're going to grab them by the hand. You're going to grab your Bible in the other hand and you're going to walk them through this together. Because your job is to restore others. I'm going to stop for a second here because I know... Something you're saying is, you know what? I'm a sinner too. How can I help somebody else? I'm a sinner too. I can't help them. I struggle with the same thing. What about that whole speck in an eye and log in an eye kind of thing? What, what about that? I'm not, I'm not pure. I can't help. I've got issues of my own. You know, I'm a hypocrite if I, if I do that. You know what you are? If you, if you do this... It's not a hypocrite. You're just a sinner who cares. We're all sinners. But we've got to step in and be a sinner who cares. 
Paul continues in Galatians chapter 6. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Did you see what the harvest of the world, if you're satisfying your own desires, did you see what you're harvesting? If that's what you're planting, what you're harvesting is decay and death. But if you are planting in the Spirit, you are harvesting everlasting life from the Spirit. If what we're planting is the best that we could accomplish, then the best we're going to harvest is what we can accomplish, which, in the grand scheme of things, is very limited compared to what God can do. Amen? Here's the third point I want you to write down this morning. All of your actions are seeds. They will bloom, wither, choke, or kill. All of your actions are seeds. One of four things is going to happen. They're going to bloom, they're going to wither, they're going to choke, or they're going to kill. Paul says, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. See, here's the thing. Harvesting comes after planting. Whatever you're harvesting today is because of something you planted two weeks ago or a month ago or three months ago. So as of today, knowing that things change, knowing how important your your harvest is, knowing how important your planting is, today you're going to harvest something that was in a different mindset. You're going to be harvesting something that you planted three months ago. Here's the thing, is that as you're planting today, you're going to harvest this three months from now. Today starts a new day planting seeds for an eternal harvest. You don't plant and harvest right away, right? Those seeds need sun. They need light. They need water. They need time to grow. Paul is saying, he's saying, be careful what it is that you plant. Because they are going to bloom. Or they're going to wither. Or they're going to choke. Or maybe they end up killing. You say, well, what does this have to do with my brother and sister in Christ? It has to do with the fact that all of your actions are seeds. And watch this. Even your inaction is a seed. Your lack of action is also a seed that will bloom, that will wither, that will choke, or that will kill. We have a responsibility Paul says this in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 6. He says, Now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will also reap generously. We use this verse quite a bit, and a couple of more I'm going to read to you in a moment. We use this quite a bit when it comes to talking about tithing, when it comes to talking about, about giving to God. 
but it works in this situation. It works in many situations. You sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. It's an agricultural term. You've got a big field. You've got a handful of seed. If you throw three seeds out there and walk away, your, your harvest isn't going to be great. If you, are, if you are out sowing generously, you are going to harvest generously. What is it that you are sowing? All of your actions are seeds. All of your inactions are also seeds. How much are we sowing? How much are we planting? Because if we're not planting today, we're not going to harvest tomorrow. Or maybe it's our inaction that we're going to be harvesting from tomorrow. That's not a fun harvest. To go out into the fields and start picking up fruit that is withered or that is dried or that is dead. Because three months ago, we didn't really plant this field well. We really didn't. And if we look out of this field and we see our brothers and sisters in Christ who are out here in dark times and withering, because we didn't help, because we said, you know what? That field is none of my business. That's not my field. You know what? I need to really preserve who I am in the eyes of all the other farmers. I'm not getting involved with that. That inaction. That inaction also has a harvest. In Job chapter 4, verse 8, it says, According to what I have seen, those who plow wrongdoing and those who sow trouble harvest it. What are we sowing? What is it that we're going to harvest? Because our brothers and sisters here in the church, they really need you to be planting seeds. And sometimes those seeds are planted in areas where they can see, you know what? Somebody's reaching out for me. Somebody's reaching out to me. I wonder if we're planting our seeds where others can see it in areas that are really important. Paul concludes here in Galatians 6, in verse number 9, he says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Here's the last point in your notes this morning. You are not done harvesting blessings unless you are done planting seeds. If you're done planting, you're done harvesting. And that's it. But your inaction also is going to bloom somewhere. Your action or your inaction is actually seeds that you'll have to deal with down the road. Somebody in the church, somebody is begging you for action. Is begging, will you call me? Will you talk to me about this? I really need you. 
more than us just knowing something and calling somebody out. That's not what it's about. It's about restoring. Just as we know and we've heard through the stories of abuse, there are people everywhere that are simply afraid to cry out because they think that nobody's listening. But what happens if we actually heard the cries and we did nothing? Finally, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, and knowing that your labor is not in vain, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you do for the Lord, it's important. You're not wasting your time. No. You are helping, you are restoring, you are growing, you are caring. You're a sinner who cares. Because there's another sinner who needs you. We all need you. If we come and we sit next to each other in church every Sunday and then we go home, it might be that person right next to us that we were just hoping and say, hey, you know what? Um, let me talk to you about something. That's hard. I know. See something? Say something. Because if we don't, that's how people get hurt. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this, for this difficult reminder today about how important we are in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I thank you for putting us in a position to help others, putting us in a position of stepping up to bear burdens. And Lord, we thank you for your strength. Because just like our brothers and sisters in Christ might not be able to go through this alone on their own strength, we can't either. But with your strength together, we can walk them through this. And we could walk through this together. Lord, I just ask this morning that you reach into our hearts and just wash away all of the excuses. Wash away everything that we've told ourselves to justify not saying anything. Lord, we, we don't want anyone to get hurt due to our inaction. We thank you that you have given us the tools to act. Lord, we might not know every direction to go for every situation that our brothers and sisters are struggling with, but we know somebody. We know a pastor. We know somebody else in the church. We know other trustworthy believers who we can lean on. Lord, I pray today that nobody is walking through alone. I pray that everyone in this church is holding somebody else's hand. They're saying, you know what? I struggle too, but I'm a sinner who cares. we thank you for this sermon series just reminding us 
quiet matters. Why it matters. Why the gospel matters. It matters because you gave it to us. It matters because you wrote this direction for our lives. It matters because we don't have to make up truth. Because you have truth for us. And all we have to do is rely on you. We come to you for direction. We come to you for wisdom. We come to you for help as we look to restore others, Lord. But we can't do it alone. We can only do it with you. Lord, this morning I ask that you hear our praises and you hear our worship. You strengthen us as we step back into our world, Lord. And as we start having the uncomfortable situations, the uncomfortable conversations, Lord, and we sow seeds of action, not inaction. Because, Lord, not only do we want to see a harvest, we want our brothers and sisters to see a harvest too. As David plays this morning, I want you to know that your church is praying for you. On our website at parisvalleycc.com, you'll find a button in there somewhere that says prayer requests. I know that we can't be together in person right now. It's not safe. We will someday. But I want you to know that if you click on prayer requests and you fill out that form, your prayer request isn't going out into cyberspace. It's actually going into my email box. Chantel gets a copy of it. David gets a copy of it. We're going to be praying for you right away. We actually have a prayer and care ministry at this church that wants to reach out, that wants to pray with you, that has resources. Don't go through this alone. It's our job to be there for you. And it's our job to be there for our brothers and sisters. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, don't go through it alone. You find me, you find David, you find Chantel, you find Jerry, you find Kelly. You say, hey, I need to talk. And we're here to listen. It might not even be somebody in leadership. It might be whoever you're sitting next to right now. And you know what? If you're sitting next to somebody right now, you might have to just lean over and say, you know what? I don't know what it is that you're struggling with, but let's talk. Can you help restore me? That's how we build deep relationships. Lord, this morning we come in thanksgiving. We come with love and praise and worship on our heart. Lord, hear our song. We love you and praise you and pray all of this in Jesus' name.